Hi, welcome to Sort of Perspective. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, I'm Jackie. I'm Anna. And today we're going to talk about crochet. Yes. I'm so excited for this episode because I've been crocheting for a very long time. I'm excited about this episode because I don't know what it is. What? Yeah. I did do some research about it though. Tell me what you researched. Okay, so I went back in time <laughs> on the internet. I just wanted to look about, like, what exactly is it and how is it different from clothes sewing and knitting? Because I, okay. I was like, crocheting is probably extremely old. People have been doing it forever. That's not the case. So clothes are 170,000 years old, at least. Guess how people know that, how researchers know how old clothes Statues, are. Statues, art, depictions. No. How? It's because of body lice. <laughs> Yummy. Yes, because all the clothes, they were assuming it was like organic material or like hides. Hides, mm-hmm. I think, were the first clothes. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so they wouldn't really be preserved that well. But Would it be like hunter-gatherer communities and then they would use hides after... Or yeah, it had to be okay. hunter-gatherer because our uh, agriculture wasn't invented yet or discovered yet until, I think, 12,000 years ago. Whoa. Yeah, and so... What, from what perspective? Because... Okay, never mind. Continue. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the first case of agriculture was that that people have found was, like, 12,000 years ago. It's called the Neolithic Revolution slash... It's the Agricultural Revolution. Mm-hmm. And then around 5,000 years ago, cities developed... Because agriculture, you have less mobility, so you're staying in one place, and then you can make denser cities. Gotcha. How long ago did you say agriculture started? To, we it's can just 12,000. 12,000. So, okay. no, this is great, because our I, listeners I, don't know this either. Um, maybe, I'm assuming. That no, this was like a total like misfire in my brain, because you said 12,000. I was thinking 1,200, so I was like 1,200 years ago. And I was like, this doesn't add up. <laughs> like, oh. what's happening? But that was just my own bad. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were um, kind of confused, because I said 170,000 years ago, which is 10 times agriculture. Whoa. Okay, so yes, I was confused. Clothes are extremely old, and then agriculture is relatively recent comparatively okay so a body lice um has a hook on it so a head lice um is like kind of like ants or whatever but body lice has like extra grippies to cling on clothes and that's (laughs) how they know that because if you trace the evolution of how like these basically bugs and parasites evolved it's because and then they're like oh around 170,000 years ago they started having hooks and they're like oh it was for clothes that's horribly disturbing how did they find this was it like on mummies or like no because there's no clothes and so you can find i think a lot of i'm not sure how they find ancient lice basically or prehistoric lice but it's from studying that animal it's not from studying like egyptians because that's older than egyptians yeah wild yeah anyway so (laughs) so clothes are super old clothes are hella old and um they're mostly, were probably made from hides. And then sewing is only 20,000 years old. Okay. So it was, it was relatively recent. 
And so I would define sewing as combining two panels of cloth or fabric with a single thread. Yes, it's not like using what clothes they probably like it was like, you know, they tied it together or they maybe might have used some kind of like linchpin to keep it together. Mm-hmm. But sewing, yes, it's going up and down through or like around fabric with to, a needle to bind them. Yes. Yes, you're binding things with a needle and thread. Uh, that's kind of how I was defining it too. And so you can make needles out of bone. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how they were able to do that. And so you're like, okay, this is right, just like right before we started domestication, I think. Because I think the earlier, do, earliest domesticated animal is like either, I think it's the dog, and that may be around like 15,000 years ago. Wild. Okay. Yeah. So just putting this in perspective, these were probably, these early humans were probably hunter gatherers. And they're starting to, they made clothes, but now they're starting to sew organic material together. Yeah, okay. So that they fit a little better. And like, we're getting, um, our brains haven't changed, so it's not like they're getting smarter, but they're, they're evolving the way they um, make clothes now. Because cool. around 20,000 years ago, uh, I think we're just about getting out of the last ice age. So you your clothes would kind of adapt with like the warmer climate, I would assume. Yeah, These, have to is... get some light summer linen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm speculating. I'm I'm not a expert on this, but typically, uh, that because of climate change, maybe that could have been why they started doing that. Um, or they're moving to a different climate, and so you're gonna wear different clothes. Okay, and then so the next thing on your list was knitting? Yes. Okay, so I was like, knitting surely is just like crochet. No. Because I know nothing like, <laughs> I know nothing. Yeah, she didn't know. I, I knew because I learned how to crochet a long time ago, and I had to teach myself how to knit like a year or two ago. Oh, okay. So I didn't, know done... how to, I didn't know how to knit, but I knew how to crochet. Yeah, I just know how to sew and like repair things. I, I'm not really even... I don't know. Anyway, okay. so, so I was knitting. super confused. So knitting's relatively recent. It actually is in Egypt is the first instance. It's um, 500 to 1200 AD. Okay. So it's right before Jesus's time, 7, like 500 years ago. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. 500 or? So 500. AD. AD. Yeah. So like right after, I guess, Jesus's time. Like re be like orient myself because these numbers I don't know why these numbers are oh because I was using years ago and then I switched to AD because that's just what the number they gave them so either okay so so 500 AD is 500 years yeah 1500 years ago or um 1800 years ago okay I'm I'm back oriented again yeah so either so in 500 AD, what was happening? That's when they started knitting. So are we, um, oh, the Bible was about to be written. Yeah, and then in 1200 years ago, it was the, sorry, 1200 AD is around the Middle Ages. Yes. So that's when knitting kind of spread. It was like, but then it, that stuff doesn't preserve very well, and that's why it has such a wide breadth of time, Mm -hmm. because it's like, what is it, like 700 years difference? Yeah. To not know how to, like, pin it out. Well, to be fair, most of us don't go, like, five years without snagging our sweaters. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, unraveling it all. Yeah, darning our socks. Who, who knows when anyway. it really started. <laughs> exactly. All the threads have been unraveled. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Get a clue. 
What? Oh, that's what the word clue means. I learned that recently. It's a ball of thread. What? Yeah, because have you heard that myth of like the Minotaur and Theseus mm-hmm. in the maze? Yeah. And he gets a ball of thread to like kind of navigate the maze and oh. get his way out. So that's the clue. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, that's... a ball of yarn is called a clue. And so he Ridiculous. it gave him clues to how to solve the maze. Clues, quote unquote. It gave him a path to make it through the maze. Yeah. And so that's where we get the word clue. Okay. So the clue of the crochet episode was, I don't even know how to do it. So a little pun there. Great. Yes. Okay. So what about crochet? crochet? Yeah. It started in the mid-1800s. Okay. Is that Victorian? Is it? I don't know. I, it, uh, well, you brought up the Regency a couple of weeks oh, ago. Oh, the Regency. So was that the Regency or was it? I'm not an even? expert. I just really like Pride and I really like Jane Austen. And she's like the reason that we know the Regency period is being so well defined. Oh, okay. So she was like an anthropologist mistake, like by accident. Kind of. She was really like sarcastic and she, her books were, some consider them to be satire. And now a lot of people perceive them as romantic oh she's what provided social commentary for her age yes she provided a lot of social commentary which allowed us to like have such a distinct knowledge of the regency period because it was like this really weird blip of time where like the old king george was crazy or dead and then the young one was too young to lead so there was a regent to like rule in the time while the king was too young. Oh, is that why it's called that? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. So she was like, welcome to my blog, Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> yeah, she's like, whoa, dating norms are crazy out here. <laughs> welcome to my podcast, yeah. Sense and Sensibility. She's like, we're so poor. And then they all have servants. <laughs> so poor. Well, she was on the bottom of her social class. So yeah. That makes sense. She oh, did sure. feel that pressure. Yeah, like no one wants to be on the outside. One of my favorite lines from Pride and, from Pride and Prejudice is when Mr. Collins comes in and he goes, um, "They're at dinner. They're having dinner." And he's like, "Such excellent potatoes." And which of my cousins might I think for these uh, exemplary food? You know, it's been years since I've had such an exemplary vegetable. That's what it was because I knew the word exemplary was there. And then she goes, "Mr. Collins, we are perfectly capable of keeping a cook." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear the estate has can afford such luxuries or whatever. You know, so like. That was like a, yeah. Anyway, we can cut all. Well, so the people reading her books were with, like, because you wouldn't buy a book or like read it in a magazine because they were published in serials, mm-hmm. unless you had some money. And so her right. her readership were were people maybe who were more wealthy than her, right? I would imagine so. And like the Bennets, especially in Pride and Prejudice, are looked down upon as being like fairly poor. Yeah, so if anything, like, it, it wasn't reading how the quote-unquote other half lives, but, like, you're reading from a perspective that you don't necessarily live in. Nowadays, we read yeah. it for the same reason, but, like, for them, wasn't her readership, like, um, you know, kind of more, I would say more affluent than her, if they could afford her books? I would think so. I'm actually not sure. Um, I would or have to just, look into that. That would be really interesting to find out. Yeah, you know, the buy the magazines that her book was serialized in. Yeah. You would either have to get it used after someone else read it, which is how poor people read these, but like her, the people paying her salary, right? I don't know. 
Because she wasn't, could she afford these kinds of magazines to read? I would imagine, I would think so, because she was pretty well paid. She had a kind of tragic, I think her life was pretty short, too, so if I'm remembering correctly. I feel like this should be another episode. It should Maybe be. I would love to talk out. about Pride and Prejudice and Jane Austen and, and its influence, because it's very influential um, in our current society, which is kind of wild. And then... It definitely defines romance, I would say. Which is kind of crazy, because like if you look at it... Um, we will definitely have to talk about this because I'm going to put a pin in it because if not, this whole episode is just going to become Pride and Prejudice instead so of crochet. we're going to put a little sewing pin in it. Exactly. And, Perfect. Um, but now that we got a little taste of the atmosphere of what people were like living in that era, that we're definitely in, like draw upon. They had more time on their hands, I would say. Like people yeah. during that time would have drawing rooms and they would sit and they would do like women would do crafts, they would either do like needlework, they would embroider. And it was, there was a lot of concern about fashion during that time too, I would think. Um, fashions changed really pretty quickly considering how long people had their dresses in their wardrobes. Um, so they would have like a base kind of for their clothing and then they could change out elements like the ribbons that came into fashion or like the bus that came into fashion, things like that. Yeah. Um, so... Fashion was a was a priority for a lot of women um, because also during this time, like women didn't really have rights. So, what would you crochet? Like socks? You can crochet socks. You can crochet sweaters, afghans, blankets, Did, um, hats, like, beanie, you know, beanies. But that's not that's more modern, contemporary stuff. Wait. So, what would like the Bennett family crochet? Afghans. Is something you would like a shawl? Yeah, kind of like a shawl. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I. I think most of the time I see them like either like blankets on your couch, mm-hmm. but I I don't know if they would do that. Like it pillows. It takes so long to crochet that. Like if you're crocheting a blanket, that takes a long time. How long would that take? Um, I don't know. I've never finished one. <laughs> I so can't... like over a hundred hours. Oh, I would I would think so. Oh, okay. Because I, I had a cousin you... who crocheted one, and she took um like a like a month or two. Oh, okay. You mentioned that making a sweater takes like 80 hours. Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't made a sweater either, honestly. I like to make scarves. <laughs> nice. Or like you made me a beanie. Yeah. That was really Beanies nice. are pretty quick. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think I spent maybe, and especially the one that I made you, I made it out of a panel and then I sewed it together to make it into a hat. Um, and that one I think took me, I spent like two days working on it. And so maybe like five to eight hours. I don't know exactly. I didn't, I don't time it when I do it. I just watch TV. And I'm sure the Regency period or the Victorian age didn't time it either. Cause yeah. like you would just do this by the fire right at night. Yeah. It's something really nice to, and easy to do with your hands. So it like fills up the time. It gets addicting. Like there's some time, like right now, like I have this like background urge to like crochet something. You should have been crocheting. I should have. So I wanted to make a, a shirt now because bringing it into like from, you know, when it was, in, when it was, in, was it invented? Could we call it that? Was it? Um, well, okay. So sidebar. So it was like quote unquote, like dated in the mid 1800s but that's just when like the I would say more affluent people of England started doing it there's been examples that um poor people in England were doing this and they called it shepherd's knitting before Mm -hmm. that and also in um France that makes 
Shepherd's knitting makes so much sense because of the hook. Yes, the difference between knitting and crocheting is knitting is two needles and crocheting is one and it's a hook. Yeah, because yeah. soldiers would use uh, and like in France would use a a bent nail to mm-hmm. um, fix things. So okay. it it was used before the mid eighteen hundreds, but most all the research I did about it was kind of just saying it's definitive in the word crochet mm-hmm. was first used then. Because crochet means... Um, Is it French? It's French, and it's um, crooked. <laughs> That's like kind of what, it, what its name. Yeah, crochet is like, it's just like a crooked shape, I guess. That's, yeah, I was like... Is it talking about the hook or the it's piece? Talking about, it's talking about both, actually. Yeah, the piece. I forget to count my stitches sometimes, so I end up <laughs> with, like, a irregular shape. I would say both. Yeah. Sounds fair. Sounds fair. So you've made a hat, and then... So my one of my aunts taught me how to crochet. She invited me to stay with her for a couple of weeks. She lived on a farm down in Mexico. Not a farm, but she had a bigger property, and she had a cow and a calf and then she had a full garden and a swimming pool she's the only one in town with a swimming pool um (laughs) (laughs) and um her property is gorgeous absolutely gorgeous but like my mom was like this is a great idea I think I was like 12 or 13 I think I was 12 that sounds yes I was 12 and um so I went down to Mexico and I spent two weeks at her house and I had to like learn all these chores and things like that. It was very farm life because every morning they had a work person to milk the cow, but every morning we'd go and like get the milk from the the person. We'd separate it into like containers because she would give some to her neighbors mm-hmm. um, and we would get the cream off of the top too to use for other stuff. She made, oh my gosh, the breakfast that my aunt makes are amazing. Absolutely incredible. I've never had a breakfast like like the ones that she makes anywhere else. Yeah, I've heard of this aunt before. You brought her up. Yes, because the they're one? so good. I think so, yeah, because all of my aunts can cook incredibly. But specifically this, she had her own chickens. She had her own cows. And so, like, breakfast was just out of this world. And she would make, like, waffles or crepes. She did peach crepes because it was in the summer that I went. It was, like, I was out of school. I was going to school in Arizona at the time. Um, so this was, like, my summer in Mexico. And then peach season oh I remember those peach crepes so much and they're so good and she put like pecans and like the fresh whipped cream that she got you know from her cow mm-hmm. right back out there and of course she knows exactly what she's feeding the cow and all this stuff and it was just an incredible experience for so many different reasons because I grew up in I spent a lot of my like younger years of my childhood in Phoenix and I went I would go down to Mexico like every summer for at least two months um so I was used to being down there but I had never like lived down there like if I was going to live there permanently um so you were a guest yeah well yeah I was a guest in a way that like oh I just meant like you were a guest usually but this time was different because you were somewhere in between so okay so my mom had a lot of kids um so our summers in Mexico were kind of a break for her because it was a safe enough environment uh when we were little for her to like not really pay super, super close attention to us and she didn't have to do a lot to entertain us because it was like um it was free enough that we could go outside and just play. And like Yeah, you're the community that you were telling me about sounds really safe and it just seems like an a reminiscent of like an older neighborhood that you would have in like yeah. the nineteen fifties or something. Like kids are allowed to roam. Yeah, we would roam. We would like everyone was super friendly when we were younger too and like we would just maybe we were just like the weird ones, but like uh the, our local friends would like 
show us like certain things like we would just go to like people's houses and knock on the door and be like can I have some water and they'd be like sure and they'd give you some water and then you go on your way like we like, didn't even know them and like I, we, I would what a nice stranger yeah I know <laughs> but that was like the environment that it was like and nice. so we would like play in the sand and stuff like that. anyway so um I had spent a lot of time down there so I was familiar but I had never done like daily living tasks down there before I lived with my aunt and so she taught me how to crochet because during the evening um that was like a source of entertainment you know, it would keep you busy because she didn't have cable. Um, she had a TV. We would watch movies, but like that was a that was an event. You know, like we're gonna watch a movie as a family, kind of thing. We're gonna crochet and watch a movie. No, like you wouldn't do the two things at the same time. Like okay. now, I do it. I like overstimulate myself sometimes. <laughs> like I'm I'm putting a podcast on. I'm crocheting, and I'm also like. I have so many things going on at like all times now. Um, but like life was like so much slower back then and also in that location. And so we'd get up, do all the farm chores, make breakfast, clean the house like thoroughly. Like she would like wash her rugs once a month kind of thoroughly. Um, And her house was absolutely spotless. It was so peaceful to be there too because it was so clean and like simple in certain ways. Or like wholesome, it sounds like. Wholesome, very wholesome. Um, And then she had three kids that were living at the house and then one of her older daughters that was married and had a child was coming to visit for the summer too. So she was there at the house too. And so it was just like, I'm just trying to paint the picture of what it was like during that time. I'm getting lost in the details a little bit because it's like fun too. But um, yeah, she taught me how to crochet. And so she first showed me how to chain. And so when you take crochet, you'll take the yarn in one hand, you take the crochet another. And then there's a certain way that you hold it where you wrap it through um, your fingers and so it'll go in between coming from behind your hand it'll go in between your pinky and your ring finger and then around to go back through your between your middle finger and your index finger um, and then you'll come back around again and by your thumb and then you will hold it tight between your thumb and your middle finger usually um, where so that the the yarn will wrap around your pointer fingers so that you can control the tension with your pointer finger. Mm-hmm. And then you you kind of hold it still with your middle and thumb. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, when I was looking it up, it, crochet is defined by, like, it's empty chains of air yes. that it makes. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Because knitting is, like, chain mail. But then yeah. crochet is more like a net. Yeah, so after you get the the way that you hold it, the next thing that you would do is you would create a slip knot, is what it's called, because it's pretty metal. Um, but <laughs> I'm joking. Um, so you create a slip knot, and then you put that knot, the loop of the knot, onto the, the hook, and then you will pull that tight. And then you can pull, like I said, that tension is important, because then you'll pull that string through the loop, and then you'll continuously just pull the string through the loop and let the last loop off of the hook. So you create a series of chains. You create a series of loops. You can do it pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's probably why it's so popular. And it kind of, it seems like it kind of replaces knitting. Like I hear more people crochet than knit. I feel like it's easier to learn. And then it's, you can still mess up, but if you miss I don't know. You know that saying, a stitch in time saves nine? Mm-hmm. That's referring to, like, knitting or crocheting. If you don't... Because when you, when you... I thought it was referring to sewing. 
uh, I don't think so. I think it's crocheting and knitting because um, when you pull the string through the loop, it's called a stitch. And so if you miss a stitch and then you continue to the next row and then you realize you missed a stitch, you have to undo all that work to get back to that stitch oh. that you missed and redo it. So a stitch in time saves nine. Well, also, if you have a, I have a hole in my pocket right now and like with a, a pair of shorts I got. And if I let that hole, like if I ignore the hole... Mm -hmm. And it'll just get bigger, and then you'll need more stitches later when you repair it, like when you stitch it up with a, with some thread. We'll have to look this up, because I feel like I'm right here. I feel like we're both right. Like, no, I feel like I'm right. What? I'm trying to be <laughs> diplomatic. He's such a Libra. <laughs> I'm, I feel like... Everyone talks about that saying when it's about sewing. Like you're trying to repair a like a a, a hole in fabric. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. But maybe we should just look this up. It could be either or. Actually, I think you are right. <laughs> I think you're right in the way that you said that we're both right. <laughs> Thank you. So gracious. Hey, uh, yes. But um, if from what you're saying about crochet, I okay. So when I was a kid, I had this book that was like Guinness World Records or Ripley's Believe It or Not, like those books that have people doing amazing things. And one of the things was people were able to crochet or net um, like different stuffed animals. And they did a whole room like that. So the whole room was actually made out of um, things that looked like stuffed animals, but they had made it through knitting or crochet. And I'd never seen something look like that. Because usually when you do art installations that big, it's usually with something else. Yeah. So this is actually a really fun fact to bring up another difference between knitting and crocheting. Mm -hmm. There is no machine to replicate crochet. Oh. So you, there are knitting machines. Mm -hmm. And so it would be easy to, to produce a lot of uh, knit, knit work. Oh, or yeah, like knit, knit are in right now. Yeah. And you can... It's literally a machine that you, you set up with the yarn and then you just turn a wheel, you mm -hmm. turn a crank and it can knit uh, either panels or rounds. But there is no machine to crochet. So all crochet has to be done by hand. Okay, so it's art, right? Yeah, I would... Um, this gets into a bigger conversation about craft and art mm -hmm. um, because there is a very blurred line between like craft and art currently. And was it that way before? No, not at all. Um, craft was looked down upon. Is it because it like poor people would do it, or yeah, I think so. Honestly, like not uh, that, and and there was race issues in that as well. Wait, really? Yeah, there was this. There's example uh, examples of work where like <laughs> it ah, uh, and there's sexism tones to it too. So it's kind of frustrating. Um, yeah, because like Lizzie Bennett and that. You know, in Pride and Prejudice, she would maybe knit in the evenings. They did no. They were very. They did needlework, so they. Oh, did, thank you. Yeah, yeah. they, they did, did needlework, but that would never make it to a museum. No. Of that time. Correct, and even up until like the seventies, um, I think there was even a guy in the early two thousands that like did some traditional woman's craft. I'm using air quotes when I say woman's craft because it's more common for women to do these kinds of. Um, or use these mediums for artistic expression, yeah. but they're not considered art or fine art. Yeah. But then there's men that will take that and then they will um, 
Appropriate it, basically? Yeah, essentially appropriate it. And then call it art. And then people are like, oh, yes, yes. Put it on a pedestal. Uh, Hang it on the wall. I love it. I read... Oh, my God. There's this architect that wrote a book, How to Wash Dishes. And I thought it would be maybe gender commentary or something. Mm -hmm. No. It was like a literal instructions on how to wash dishes. And I'm like, way to steal a traditional, quote-unquote, women's work and um, make a profit off of it in this kind of weird appropriation. Although... These two activities, washing dishes, crochet, they're not gendered. Any, everyone not. has hands. Right. It's just the way that we view them as a culture. Yeah. Um, so there is an artist. I will have to look up her name and I'll link it down below. But um, she had work at the McNay in San Antonio. And she portrays absolutely gorgeous portraits of black women. And she... Her portraits are framed with the embroidery loops. And they're done in such a delicate and beautiful way. And she uses the language of craft to tell the stories of these women. And it's just done so, so stunningly. Um, But I find it really interesting now, like, artists are having these kind of conversations about, like, the difference between craft and art. And talking about like creating art pieces that use the language of craft because craft, I think, can is still like there is still a distinction and I think it has to do with like intention. So craft is like if I'm crocheting something to be a scarf, and then I wear that scarf, then I would consider it craft because it was made for a purpose for a function. Oh, okay. Whereas like I have um, crocheted and knitted scarves before, but then I use them to create a quilt to talk about um, sexual trauma. And so I used those within that. And then that was an art piece because it, it had like a larger conversation happening. Okay. With I it. crochet to fight the patriarchy. So art. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really interesting. And I do like how the, I feel like one of the things that we got from the pandemic is that even further blurring because people picked up many crafts and we're able to use it as an emotional expression. Yeah. Like um, bread making or like, yeah, crochet. I think tons of people picked up these, um, like, quote, unquote, maybe simple hobbies, but are, were able to find so much enjoyment and fulfillment in them. And right. Like, uh, yeah. Comfort. So one of the other things that I would say that differentiate craft between art is that there was an artist, and it was a male artist, and he wrote a manifesto of like about his work and like ever since then it's been really common practice for artists to write artist statements and so that's like a big difference between like craft and art too now is that like art typically there's an expectation that there's an artist statement behind it like I am making this piece to talk about this and this and this and this and this although couldn't you make something and then someone comes and like this is about the war in Afghanistan and they're like the artist is like oh I didn't know that (laughs) Like, thank you for telling me. That's exactly how I got through art school. (laughs) I was, no, no, I'm joking. Um, Only a little bit. Because sometimes it is really helpful. Uh, We would have critiques during school, you know, during art classes. And so um, I would make something and then I wouldn't think about it in certain contexts. And once I brought it to like the large audience, like that feedback would inform what my art became about. Um, because you can say anything is about anything, honestly. (laughs) Um, it's just whether or not you can defend it. Yeah. So you have to be a lawyer and an artist. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Mom, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm, I'm 
applying to art school. I'm like, I actually, okay, so I was on a plane one time and this woman was showing me her blinds because she had these really cool like automatic blinds that were set for different times of day to like change the angle of like how they block the sun out. Okay. Um, she was able to afford these because she was a lawyer her entire life and her mm-hmm. husband was a photographer. And I told her that I was an artist and a photographer and I showed her my work and she was like, you would be a really good lawyer. <laughs> She's like trying to recruit you on the plane. Yeah, yeah. She was retired and I was like, I guess somebody's got to step in. And so I finished art school and now I'm like, should I go to law school? And I think the answer is no. I should not go to law. <laughs> I should not go to law school. That took a turn. I thought you were going to say yes. I know, right? That's why I took you there. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> got to keep them on their toes. Yeah. And that's what you do in the courtroom and in the corporate office. With your... And in the art gallery. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you would look really good in a power suit though. But I can do that anytime. I don't have to be in a courtroom to wear a power suit, Anna. Not all lawyers are in courtrooms. This is America. You will learn this in law school. Okay, great. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, but it seems like people who do fine art, who choose maybe a traditional craft, kind of do it to invert expectations in some way. Is, is that something that, like, is a good method to use or strategy in order to get some kind of, like, a, emotional response? Because you have this, like, comforting, familiar thing, and then you're bringing new ideas into it and using it to talk about things. I don't know if that's, like... I feel like it's something that we can't really generalize because yeah. there are so many different pieces of art in the world. And the first two examples that come to mind for me don't do that. They don't use craft to subvert expectations they use craft to bring in the history of craft into the conversation that they're trying to talk about oh okay um which one of the pieces was very very specifically like feminist artwork so was using craft and fine art does that inherently have a feminist lens i think it can because craft is traditionally female yes Um, okay Although the French soldiers before the 1800s would use it, which I loved because um, it was kind of like our yoga episode. Yeah. The, how gender can be um, reverted back and forth multiple times. It's Absolutely. not just men have always done this, women have always done this, and then the 20th century happening, happened, and then we're like, oh, we can subvert gender norms, you know? So Women can be anything. Yeah, that's what men I did. Men can be anything, and... People can do a lot of things. Yeah, we don't have to have the <laughs> and gender binary. you can binary. quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing this down. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Okay, so I'm going to continue describing the process of crocheting because I know that that's so exciting to our audio uh, format. Yes, this is like the chapter in Moby Dick when they're like, and this was on the ship, and this was on the ship. <laughs> exactly, yes. right? And then this loop goes through that loop, and then you can't see what I'm talking about. So it gets really confusing. But so after you create your initial chain, mm-hmm. you then go back and you create stitches into those chains. And then there are a multitude of stitches. So there's like a million ways that you can crochet. I'm guessing. I don't know how many exactly <laughs> ways well, there are to crochet. I think there are, because looking into crochet, how there were so many pre-existing examples of stuff that looked like it, but wasn't called crochet. Mm-hmm. There's like, since you're using a material object in a finite space, there's only so many ways you can do it. So there, people probably have reinvented this process multiple times yeah, throughout history. They've created some, there's some really stunning patterns out there. Um, there's some bad ones out there. Oh, I, yeah. If I did one, that would just add to that. 
I would say. Great. So we're going to go to my apartment after this, and we're going to crochet. I'm going to teach you how to crochet. But in the meantime, <laughs> so to create your stitch, like a very basic stitch would be like a single single crochet, um, which is where you would... What's the plural of crochet? I don't know. Crochets. Crochet. I think it only comes in singular. Crochet. It's, it's like octopus. That sounds so gross. <laughs> I don't know why. Crochets. Octopi, crochetai. Crochetai. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's like, we don't, I guess we don't have to go into the, the variety of stitches. But I do want to talk about crochet clothing because I'm seeing a trend of it being sold. And I think that this is an important part to bring up because I have a cousin that makes crochet clothing and she's actually the one who taught me about like the knitting machines and the crochet. So whenever you see crochet clothing if you learn how to identify it if you see it in a fast fashion you know that they're not there's there's ethical issues there because crochet is expensive to buy because it's time consuming and it can only be done by hand so if you see like a crochet shirt for like 20 bucks brand new at a fast fashion retailer like there that's raises some ethical concerns whoa i didn't know that so you should locally source your crochet I would say so. And expect to pay like within a certain range too, because, and, and it depends on the garment. You're like $200. It seems like. Yeah. It, it's a luxury item to buy. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's funny. Cause like it went from, you know, if you're doing socks and you're doing it in a domestic setting, like your aunt would, yeah. it, that stuff is like a gift and it's free. Right. Essentially. Cause gifts have no um, expectations or they're yeah, not for strangers. So I actually made a pair of socks for a girl who complimented me on my socks one time. Because um, if you've looked at my Instagram at all, you might know this, but I had a thing with rainbow socks. They were part of like this big chapter of my life. They became a focus of my artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to cre- I wanted to crochet a pair of socks. And so I decided to crochet myself a pair of rainbow socks. And then this girl was like, those are so cool. I would love a pair like that. And I was like, oh, yes, I'm going to make her a pair of socks. And then, so I crocheted them, and then I went and gave them to her, and it was really fun. It was really cool. But oh, she's like, you missed a stitch right here. <laughs> no, she had no idea. <laughs> she had no idea. <laughs> I actually added a stitch on accident, but she had no idea. <laughs> it's, a, it's that extra, like a baker's dozen stitch. Oh, my goodness. So sure. socks are really complicated to crochet because you're constantly increasing and decreasing the pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, crocheting a block is really easy. Um, but crocheting socks is not as easy because you have to count your stitches and mark them. Yeah, it took me, I think, about eight hours to crochet the socks that I gave her. And she was so like a size eight foot. So for both pairs. Just maybe one foot, it would just take like four hours. Yeah. And yeah. Nice. Okay. So. <laughs> but um, it depends on like a, a fair living wage. You know, if we're talking minimum wage, $7 an hour for eight hours of work, that's $56. And that's just the cost of labor and not the cost of material included. So, so $160, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, because I would expect, I think $15 is like barely scraping by in this economy. <laughs> yeah, um, 2023. Yeah. Yeah, 2023, $15 an hour is barely scraping by. So 15 times eight. Um, 120 plus the cost of materials. So yeah, a pair of socks expecting to pay like $130. Crochet work is expensive to buy, but the benefit of it is that you can learn how to do it. And so you can buy a pattern and people sell patterns all over the place on the internet, like on Etsy, on their Instagrams. You can buy a pattern if you like a certain style and then you can learn to crochet that. So it costs like five to $10 to buy a pattern and then you just make it yourself and you don't have to pay for labor. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And then that seems to 
it's kind of a non, I guess, like consumerist activity. It seems like if it is, it they have had to intensify it through like some kind of slave labor, like you know the existing slave labor that happens in Asia and in other parts of the world where people are only getting like a dollar an hour. Yeah. So it it does seem like it's harder to commodify it in like local regions in America. Yeah. Because you're not going to mass produce crochet stuff, it seems like. No, and just knowing that, you know, like that people, I mean, my cousin, I have a cousin that crochet is like a beast. She's an incredible crocheter um, and she can, she can whip up an entire sweater in like six hours. So it just depends on the person too, you know, the experience. Oh, okay. Um, That's good to know. Yeah. So her, it's, she's more cost effective with her time. And so like her stuff might not be priced the same way that mine would be, or like I would have to charge a lower hourly rate if I was going to sell crochet stuff but yours are made with love <laughs> so are hers <laughs> our love is equally valued which is why <laughs> you have to value based on skill i don't know i would pay more for yours just because we're friends oh my gosh okay so one of the girls in town who who sells crochets actually just texted me so that's really incredible timing it's kismet kismet I'm I'm just really glad that we got that out there because I do want people to be aware of like fast fashion because crochet at the end of the day I think is still oriented toward clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also my grandmother crocheted a lot too, but I didn't learn from her. She passed away when I was really young, fairly young, and she would crochet lace like a, a lace doily to put over the over the oh, table. I thought you were gonna say like kitchen utensils. I was like, oh, how innovative. <laughs> well, yeah, you can crochet hot pads. Um, oh, good point. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, I want a, uses a for spatula crochet. that's crocheted. I actually You can actually do that. Okay, so there's that brings me into like fiber art. So oh, nice. people will use like yarn and they'll use methods like crocheting or like uh what is it called? Felting. Um where you like push a bunch of like felt oh, wool, I've wool seen together. People will use cat hair, yeah, for that. Ugh. It's so <laughs> gross, but it's so interesting too. Like and you can you can make a lot of things. And so like I guess what I want takeaways to be from this episode is like crochet is super cool there's like an incredible history with clothing and uh be there's an ethics behind it i would say yeah be be aware of the ethics behind uh, crocheted clothing because i know that it started trending a little bit since the pandemic um to be mindful of where you're getting your crochet things. Like if you're buying something at the secondhand store, like you don't really have to worry about ethics as much because it's already been used and there's no way to tell like where it originally came from. But if you're buying it at like a brand new retailer, be mindful of the price and and ethics involved. And then uh, you can do it yourself and learn how to do it on YouTube. How long would it take you to like learn it? I had a friend who is pretty decent at like crafting and stuff like that because she went to art school with me, but she taught herself how to crochet within like a month or two. She was like making a sweater. Oh, so you can't learn in like 10 minutes. Oh, you can learn how to make something in 10 minutes. It's just like the scale of your project. Oh, yeah, I guess basic skill. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing and this wealth of crochet knowledge. Ah, I didn't realize how much I knew about crochet until we started talking about this. So that's pretty cool. I can't wait to go home and uh, work on my my flower tank top that I was going to crochet. Oh, nice. Yeah, you have to show me when you're done. Yeah, I'll probably post a picture of it on the Instagram too. So um, just plugging our Instagram here. If you're not following us, please follow us on Instagram. And if you found us through Instagram, thank you for being here. And thank you for listening to this episode. We're so happy to have you. Um, Thank you so much. And 
I hope you learned something and I hope you had a Shared a couple of laughs on the way. Yeah. And if you decide to pick up crocheting, uh, tag us in your crochet projects. I would love to see them. Yes. I would learn more through that than any kind of like diagrams or anything like that. So thank you. Wonderful. All right. And I hope you guys have a great day. 